0: Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911.
1: So, Patrol Jesus 911. My name is Jesse Romero. I am a one man car. Welcome to the show, my friends. May is devoted to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, The Blessed Virgin Mary in this month. There are so many Marian devotions being held during the month of May. We honor Mary as the mother of God. We honor her as the Queen Mother, as the Queen of May. There's a lot of beautiful services that may even take place outside of the Catholic Church. There's a traditional way of honoring Our Lady. It's called a May crowning. It's a traditional Roman Catholic ritual that occurs in the month of May. Uh, Blessed Virgin Mary, pray for us. Today I want to talk about our government and the fact that <clears throat> I'm at a point in time in history and in my age and in experience where I don't trust most of our government. And I say, I say that, I know years ago, when you would hear about, well, the government's doing this, they're doing that. The CIA's doing this. The FBI's doing that. Most people, myself included, we couldn't even concede that we would have corruption in our government 40, 50, 60 years ago. It wasn't inconceivable. When people were saying, I think the government may have killed uh, John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy. Just like uh, the, son, the son is alleging right now, the one that's running for president, Kennedy Jr., uh, he says uh he's on YouTube. There's a long article. He's on YouTube. He says that the the CIA killed his uncle or his father. <clears throat> when you hear these things, you say, come on, this is this is nutty. But uh it doesn't surprise me anymore because let's not forget, how does the devil work? The catechism of the Catholic Church says the devil uses politics and government to maneuver his nefarious evil amongst the people. Many people in government don't have a relationship with God. And think about this. This is more dangerous. Imagine people working in government who work for the industrial war complex. Lockheed, Boeing, Raytheon, and uh, there's four, there's one more. Uh, It'll come to me right now. The point, the point is you have godless men making war machinery. You have godless men making weapons of mass destruction. These are secular humanist. These are people that are using their intelligence, their God given intelligence that they don't recognize to create technology. Uh, meaningless technology, weapons of war. And so the industrial war complex like Lockheed, Boeing, Northrop, Northrop and Raytheon. Sometimes I wonder if people that work in these businesses, if they're followers of Christ, are they conflicted? I spend 40 hours a week making machinery to kill people. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I'm going to share with you a story, but I want you to watch a video of a man by the name of Frank Olson. He was a, a, a scientist. He died back in 1953. He was a part, he was a part of uh, the U.S. government experiments, MKUltra. And I want you to watch a short little video of the way he was part of this. And they say he committed suicide. Either he committed suicide or he was killed. But here's the point that I'm making. When you don't have a relationship with God. And you're involved. In things that are evil. All that sin. All that darkness stored in your memory. Sense memory data. It could, it could drive you crazy. So I want you to watch a video here. Yes, I don't have it yet. Okay. Okay. All right, you let me know when you got it, Rich. So, here's the video. Let me just give you kind of a little backdrop to it. All of us want to do things that are meaningful. I can't imagine just working forty hours a week, making war machinery, making weapons of mass destruction. I can't. I've always a pagan. I could a secular humanist. I could follower of Christ. I don't even think as a lukewarm Catholic. I think I would probably had a problem with that as well. Can you imagine people using their intelligence to create technology? They end up seeing that their life is hopeless and meaningless. And a lot of them end up destroying their lives or marriage and their family life. Well, you're going to hear about one such story as soon as Rich tells me that he's ready, that he's got it queued up. Frank Olson worked for the CIA. And he was working on, it's called MKUltra mind control. Our government has been using mind control on us through propaganda, the media, education for decades. And this MK ultra mind control, this comes from Satan who seeks to darken our intellect with half truths, lies and deceptions. Again, the point that I'm making is that at this point At this stage of my life and in world history, I don't trust any of the government agencies that have a three-letter alphabet. (laughs) I'll I'll just make it that simple. I don't trust any three-letter alphabet government agency. That is CIA, FBI, NIH. All of them are part of the deep state at this point in world history. I can only imagine how many government workers have been killed because they've discovered that the government is doing something evil and they're about to blow the whistle to the authorities. Well, this is a story I want to tell you and my engineer will let me know when, when he has the video ready. Okay. We'll show it to you in the, se- in the next segment, beginning of the next segment. So here's the story that I'm going to sh- share with you. It's a short video. It's another victim of the deep state. Frank Olson died in 1953 because of because of clandestine U.S. government experiments that he was working on. And it took decades for his family to get closer to the truth. In his case, it went from mind control to murder. Frank Olson was about to reveal the scientist was about to reveal the the CIA's darkest secrets. And for that. His family says. That's why he paid a price. So here's what happened. Here's what happened to Frank Olson. He's on his. He's high above in his 7th Avenue. Apartment in Manhattan. Before dawn on a cold. November morning in 1953. And. He jumps out the window or he's thrown out the window. Who knows his body hit the sidewalk. Jimmy, the doorman at the Statler hotel was momentarily stunned. Then he turned and ran into the hotel lobby and he said, we got a jumper. We got a jumper. The night manager peered up through the darkness at his hulking hotel. And after a few moments, he picked out a curtain flapping from an open window. It turned out to be room 1018 1018A Two names were on the registration card For that room Frank Olson who was a scientist And Robert Lashbrook So the NYPD enters the room 1018A with guns drawn They saw no one, the windows open They pushed open the door to the bathroom And they found uh, Lashbrook Sitting on the toilet Head in hands He'd been sleeping he said He says I heard a noise and I woke up The man that went out the the window, the NYPD cop said, what's his name? He said, Olson, Frank Olson. The night manager later reflected, he says, in all my years in the hotel business, I've never encountered a case where someone got up in the middle of the night, ran across a dark room in his underwear, avoiding two beds and dove through a closed window with the shade and curtains open. So the police officers, they left. The night manager returned to the lobby. And on a hunch, he asked the telephone operator if any calls had recently been made from room 1018A. The operator said, yeah. She replied, she had eavesdropped, which is not an uncommon practice in an era when hotel phone calls were routed through a switchboard. Someone in that room had called a number on Long Island which was listed as belonging to Dr. Harold Abramson, a distinguished physician, less well known as an LSD expert and one of the CIA's medical collaborators. Okay? So Frank Olson, a scientist, made a call to Dr. Harold Abramson, an LSD expert. (laughs) That's That's a very potent narcotic. And one of the CIA's medical collaborators. To the first police officers on the scene, again, this seemed like another human tragedy they saw too often in New York. A distressed or distraught man had taken his own life. They could not have known that the dead man and the survivor were scientists who helped one another. They directly helped one another in one of the U.S. government's most highly classified intelligence programs. So they were friends early the next morning you're listening to Jesus 911 i'm talking to you about the mysterious death of former cia scientist frank olson and i share share this with you the point that i'm making how many other people has our government killed surreptitiously huh. we'll find out judgment days around the corner
0: Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526
1: 2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. I'm sharing with you the story of Frank Olson, a scientist who worked for the CIA back in the 50s. He, Him and other scientists in the CIA were working on MKUltra, which is uh, experimenting with men in the military. Uh, giving them LSD and trying to, using LSD as some type of a truth serum. They felt that LSD was a truth drug, and so they were practicing or they were using LSD on soldiers and people in the military. I think his conscience got the best out of him, and he either committed suicide or he was about to be a whistleblower and report on the CIA's nefarious activities, and, and he killed himself. I want you to watch a short video, then I'll continue making my... The point that I'm making is that how many other people has our government killed because they're about to be whistleblowers and their conscience was pricked? I want you to watch this short video, and I'll continue talking about Frank Olson. May he rest in peace. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip?
0: told at the time of your father's death. I was told that your father has had an accident. But that was the cover story told by the CIA. My father, Frank Olson, was an army scientist. His research group had a relationship with the CIA. They take him to New York Tuesday morning, early Saturday morning, he's dead. What was my father doing? What was the CIA doing? What happened there? The released CIA documents deal with a project codenamed Ultra. There was in it a story of a CIA experiment on an unwitting civilian who was given LSD. You're the one on stage tonight, Dr. Olson. (laughs) You're all a bunch of judges. This has been the shift from thinking that my father's death was a mysterious suicide to knowing that it was a CIA atrocity. This is 1975. There were a lot of questions about the integrity of U.S. government. The government was so eager to shut this down.
1: The tragedy that happened to the family was very deep and very real.
0: Eric's whole life has been sucked into this terrible hole. The CIA was using LSD on people, but I think the real bad was something worse. He's a man that was profoundly distressed about what he was learning. Startling new information. Frank Olson, a former CIA scientist, may have been murdered. If you thought somebody was detrimental, you had no problem dealing with it. But then the question is, who ordered that? The United States began to do things which put its own democratic institutions in great jeopardy. My father was in the center of that.
1: Frank was somebody who has secrets, and he was dangerous.
0: I can't tell you more.
1: May he rest in peace. Uh, the point that I'm making is I just don't trust our our three letter uh, alphabet government agencies. This is the story of Frank Olson, who was working, he was a scientist for the CIA. He was working on what's called MK Ultra, which is a uh, uh, and, and and using LSD. Uh, he was part of the American intelligence. They were doing this to try to make. They were teaching the military. This is how you make people tell the truth through this te- te- technique called MK Ultra and LSD. Uh, he either couldn't stand it anymore in terms of what he was doing, and so he killed himself, or he was about to blow the whistle on the government and he killed and they killed him. So after after he was discovered that he had he would, he had either jumped off the window, committed suicide, or thrown out of the window, early the next morning after Frank Olson's death, one of his colleagues drove to Maryland to break the terrible news to the dead man's family. They told Alice Olson and their three children that Frank fell or jumped off to his death from a hotel window. Of course they're shocked. But they had no choice other than to accept what they're told. Alice, the wife, did did not object. She did not object when she was told that, given the condition of her husband's body, family members uh, were told not to view the body. So the funeral was held with a closed casket, and the case at that point was pretty much closed. What happened decades later? Spectacular revelations cast doubt. On Frank Olson's death. In a completely new light. First. The CIA admitted. That shortly before he died. Frank Olson's colleagues. Had lured him to a retreat. And fed him LSD. Without his knowledge. Then it turned out that Frank Olson. Had talked about leaving the CIA. Hmm. And he told his wife. That he had made a terrible mistake. Slowly. A counter narrative emerged. Olson was disturbed about his work and wanted to quit leading his comrades to consider him uh, a security risk. All of this led him to room 1018A. So Olson was, was disturbed mentally about his work. He wanted to quit. And so his comrades were considering him. This guy's a security risk. This guy's not one of us anymore. Frank Olson had been one of the first scientists assigned to the secret U.S. biological warfare laboratories at Fort Detrick in Frederick, Maryland, during the Second World War. There, Frank Olson began working with a handful of colleagues who would accompany him throughout his clandestine career. One of his colleagues was Harold Abramson. Other colleagues included ex-Nazi scientists who had been brought to work on secret missions in the U.S. For a time, they worked together on aerosol technologies. Those are ways to spray germs or toxins on enemies and and to defend against such attacks. Later, Frank Olson, the deceased, met with American intelligence officers Who had experimented with truth drugs in Europe. Notice. How long the CIA. Another absolutely corrupt government agency. Has been engaging in human mind control. I want to remind you that there was also a colonel in the army. Right around that time. Who was a Satanist. The founder of the Temple of Set. Michael Aquino. He was an army intelligence officer. He was a colonel. He was teaching brainwashing techniques to military intelligence officers, and he was a high-level Satanist in this country. Known by the army, by the way, and known by the intelligence community. But let me go back to Frank Olson, the deceased, who was either thrown out the window or committed suicide by the government. Frank Olson was discharged from the army in 1944, but remained at Fort Detrick on a civilian contract And continued his research. Into aerobiology. Several times he visited the secluded. Dugway proving ground in Utah. Which was used for testing. Living biological agents. Munitions. And aerosol cloud production. Frank Olson. The deceased. Co-authored a 220 page study. Entitled experimental. Airborne infections. Which. Described. Described. Experiments with airborne clouds or highly infectious agents. In 1949, Frank Olson, the deceased, he traveled to the Caribbean for Operation Harness, which tested the vulnerability of animals to toxic clouds. And the next year, he was part of the Operation Sea Spray, in which dust engineered to float like anthrax was released near San Francisco. He regularly traveled to Fort Terry, a secret army base on Plum Island, off the eastern tip of the Long Island, which was used to test toxins too deadly to be brought onto the United States mainland. And so you see Frank Olson, the deceased, he spent his entire life, his entire adult life, using his God-given intellect to make deadly weapons for the CIA. As a result, Frank Olson was promoted and kept on making deadly weapons. His conscience was either conflicted to the point where he says, I can't do this no more, and he killed himself, or he was going to be a whistleblower and they threw him out the window, A or B. So, Frank Olson Succeeded Schwab as the chief of the special operations division. So he got a promotion. As a civilian. His job description was vague but tantalizing. It was. You got to collect data of interest to the division. That means the CIA. With particular emphasis on the medical biological aspects. And coordinate his work with other agencies. Conducting work of a similar or related nature. Again. Collect medica, medical biological data for the CIA. Frank Olson's specialty. The deceased. Was airborne distribution of biological germs. According to one study. Dr. Olson had developed a range of lethal aerosols. In handy sized containers. They were disguised as, as shaving cream. And insect repellents. They contained many other agents. Uh, that uh were poisonous and 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 could even kill you like anthrax further weapons that frank olson was working on included a cigarette lighter which gave out an almost instant lethal gas also a lipstick that would kill on contact with skin and a neat pocket spray for asthma sufferers that induced pneumonia So by the time Frank Olson stepped down as the chief of the Special Operations Division in early 1953, complaining that the pressures of the job aggravated his ulcers, he stayed with the division within the CIA, which was officially part of the army, but functioned as a CIA research station hidden within a military base. There Frank came to know Sidney Gottlieb and his deputy, Robert Lashbrook, two scientists who would be running? Who would soon be running a top-secret CIA project, codenamed MK Ultra? Sidney Gottlieb, the scientist, was the, CIA, the CIA's chief poison maker. <laughs> Over two decades, he oversaw medical experiments and special interrogation projects in which hundreds of people were tormented and many minds were permanently shattered. So during this period, there was an obsession at the CIA. There is a way to control the human mind. That's what they said. And if it can be found, the prize will be, the prize will be nothing less than global mastery. So MKUltra was a top-secret program of experiments in mind control that used as its basic formula doses of LSD given to expendable human beings. We'll be right back talking about the deep state that's been going on for decades in our government. And one of the victims was Frank Olson. We'll be right back. Rest in peace.
0: Now... Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151.
1: Soul Patrol Jesus 911. How many people has our government killed? We'll never know. We'll find out at the general judgment. All this will be revealed. But uh, there's a lot of people that probably are faithless that can work for the government. That can make weapons of mass destruction. That can make weapons of war all day long, and it wouldn't it wouldn't faze them. There are some people with a conscience that can't do that. Frank Olson may have been one of those people. He was killed killed or committed suicide back in the fifties, nineteen fifty three. He worked for the CIA. He was a scientist. He was involved in wa- making weapons of mass destruction, war weapons. Uh experimenting on soldiers giving them lsd they they the the government believed that they could the lsd was like a truth serum along with what's called mk ultra mind control frank olson probably couldn't take it no more and so he killed himself his conscience just graded him so bad or he was about to be a whistleblower against the cia against our corrupt uh three-letter alphabet agency government agencies and he and uh and they threw him out the window. They killed him. So, Frank, I mean, Sidney Gottlieb, who's a scientist, who was running that top CIA project codename MKUltra. Gottlieb wanted to discover how much LSD a human being could take. Could there be a breaking point, he wondered. He had done so much. He he, he has a dose He figured that a dose so massive that it would shatter the mind and blast away consciousness, leaving a void into which new impulses or even a new personality could be implanted. So in his laboratory, Sidney Gottlieb at Fort Fort Detrick, Frank Olson directed experiments that involved gassing and poisoning laboratory animals. And these experiences disturbed Frank Olson. He'd come to work in the morning and see piles of dead monkeys. His son, Eric, later recalled, that messes with you. He wasn't the right guy for that job. Frank Olson also saw human beings suffer. Although not a torturer himself, he observed and monitored torture sessions in several countries with and through the CIA. And in CIA safe houses in Germany, according to one study, Frank Olson witnessed horrific, brutal interrogations on a regular basis. Detainees who were deemed expendable, suspected spies or moles, security leaks, etc., were literally interrogated to death in experimental methods combining drugs, LSD, hypnosis, and torture to attempt to master brainwashing techniques and memory erasing. As Thanksgiving approached in 1953, Frank Olson received an invitation to gather uh, on a Wednesday for a retreat at a cabin. On Deep Creek Lake in Western Maryland, this retreat was one in a series that that uh, that Sidney Gottlieb convened every few months. Officially, it was it was a coming together of two groups: four CIA scientists from the Technical Services Staff, which ran MK Ultra. And five army scientists from the Special Operations Division of the Chemical Corps. In reality, these men worked so closely together that they comprised a single unit. They were comrades in search of cosmic secrets. It made sense for them to gather, discuss their projects, and exchange ideas in a relaxed environment. The first 24 hours at the retreat were uneventful. The group gathered for dinner and then settled back for a round of drinks. Lashbrook, who was Sidney Gottlieb's deputy, produced a bottle of uh, of Cointree and poured glasses for the company. Several, including Frank Olson, drank heartily. After 20 minutes, Sidney Gottlieb, again, he's the American chemist and spy for the CIA. He asked if anyone was feeling odd. Several said they were. Sidney Gottlieb told them that their drinks had been spiked with LSD. Well, the news was not well-received. Even in their altered state, the subjects could understand what had been done to them. And Frank Olson was especially upset. According to his son, Eric, he became quite agitated and was having a serious confusion with separating reality from fantasy. Soon, though, he and the others were carried away into a hallucinatory world. Sidney Gottlieb later reported that they were boisterous and laughing unable to continue the meeting or engage in sensible conversations. The next morning they were in only slightly better shape. The meeting broke up. Frank Olson headed back to Frederick, Maryland. By the time he arrived, he was a changed man. He would never be the same again. The next morning, Frank Olson showed up at Fort Detrick. His boss, Vincent Ruet, arrived soon after. Neither were in good shape. More than four days had passed since they had been given LSD without their knowledge. Ruit later called it, quote, the most frightening experience I have ever had or hoped to have, close quote. And Frank Olson began pouring out his doubts and fears. He appeared to be agitated. And he asked and asked me if I should fire him or he should quit. Ruit, his boss, later recalled, Ruit tried to calm Frank Olson, assuring him that his work was excellent. And recognized as such. But slowly. Frank Olson. Was persuaded. That resignation. Was too extreme a reaction. By this time. MK Ultra. Had been underway for seven months. It was one of the government's deepest secrets. Guarded by security that was. As Frank Olson had, had been told. When he joined the special operations division. Tighter than tight. And several of those that had been surreptitiously dosed with LSD, now one of them. Now one of them seemed out of control. This was no light matter for men, who believed that the se- the success or failure of MKUltra Ultra might determine the fate of the United States and the entire human race. So Frank Olson, who had spent ten years at Fort Detrick, and knew most if not all of the Special Operations Division's secrets he had repeatedly visited Germany and brought home pictures from Heidelberg and Berlin where the U.S. military maintained clandestine interrogation centers. He was one of several Special Operations Division scientists who were in France on the 16th of August, 1951, when an entire French village was mysteriously seized by mass hysteria and violent delirium that afflicted more than 200 residents and caused several deaths. The cause was later determined to have been poisoning by argot, the fungus from which LSD was derived. Perhaps the most threatening of all, if U.S. forces did indeed use biological weapons during the Korean War, for which there is circumstantial evidence but no proof, Frank Olson would have known. The prospect that he might reveal any of what he had seen or done was frightening to the CIA. He was very, very open and not scared to say what he thought. Frank Olson's friend and colleague, Norman, Norman Cornoyer, later recalled, quote, he didn't give a darn. Frank Olson pulled no punches at any time. That's why they were scared of him. I'm sure that's why the CIA was scared of him. Frank Olson's doubts deepened. In spring 1953, he visited top secret microbiological research establishment, where government scientists were studying the effects of sarin gas and other nerve gases. And on May 6th, a volunteer subject, a 20 year old soldier, was dosed with sarin there. He began foaming at the mouth, collapsed into convulsions, and died an hour later. Afterward, Frank Olson spoke about his discomfort with a psychiatrist who helped direct this research. A month later, Frank Olson was back in Germany on that trip. According to a later reconstruction of his travels, Frank Olson visited a CIA safe house near Stuttgart, Germany, where he saw men dying, often in agony, from the weapons that he had made, the weapons of interrogation. After some other stops in Scandinavia and Paris, Frank Olson returned to Britain, and uh, he came back to the CIA immediately. After, after a meeting there at the CIA, uh, the CIA reported saying that Frank Olson was deeply disturbed over what he had seen in CIA safe houses in Germany, and displayed symptoms of not wanting to keep secret what he had witnessed. Ah, there you go. He sent his report to his superiors, the CIA director, with the understanding that they would forward it forward it to the CIA because the cia had common interest to protect because it looked like frank olson didn't like what he was seeing any longer and he was about to blow the whistle so five days after being dosed with lsd frank olson was still disoriented rut was his boss at the special operations division called Sidney Gottlieb, another scientist to report this Sidney Gottlieb asked him to bring frank olson in for a chat at their meeting Sidney Gottlieb later testified that Frank Olson seemed confused in certain areas of his thinking. He made a quick decision. Frank Olson, the scientist, must be taken to a New York City and delivered to the physician most intimately tied to MKUltra, who is Harold Abramson. Alice Olson, the wife of the deceased, was told that Harold Abramson was chosen because her husband had to see a physician who had equal security clearance so he could talk freely to him. Again, <laughs> that was partly true. Abraham, Abramson was not a psychiatrist. He was an MKUltra initiate. So Sidney Gottlieb knew that Abramson, his first loyalty was to MK Ultra, or as he would have put it, to the security of the United States. That made him the ideal person to probe Frank Olson's inner mind. Frank Olson, the scientist, told Abraham Abramson, a non-scientist, that ever since the Deep Creek Lake retreat, he had been unable to work well, he could not concentrate, and forgot how to spell. He could not sleep. So Abramson sought to reassure Frank Olson, who seemed to relax afterwards. A week had passed. And this story's getting good. This is Jesus (laughs) 911. How many people has our government killed? How many people has our government, how many lives have been ruined by our government? That's what I'm talking about here. Stick around. We'll be right back. Jesus 911.
0: Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151.
1: Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. Talking about the story of Frank Olson, a scientist who worked for the CIA. They were experimenting. They're using what's called MK Ultra, which is mind control. And Frank Olson didn't like what he was seeing in these interrogation sessions with patients. He saw a lot of torture. He saw a lot of people die and get killed. He no longer wanted to be part of it. So he either had a conscience and jumped out the window in 1958, or he was thrown out the window by the CIA, who he was about to expose. So Frank Olson told Abramson, who, by the way, Abramson was an Abraham Abramson was an MK Ultra expert for the CIA. He was not a uh, he's not a doctor. He said that after that retreat, and they had given him LSD, he'd never been the same afterward. And uh, they they basically ruet his boss told him that you just got, you just gotta kind of get over it, just look beyond it. And Abramson, the MK Ultra expert for the CIA, persuaded Frank Olson, the scientist, that he should agree to be hospitalized as a voluntary patient at a Maryland sanatorium, a nuthouse. Olson and Lashbrook left uh, the meeting and over dinner, Frank Olson, he told Lashbrook that he was looking forward to his hospitalization. He said, well, I'm going to have a chance to read all the books that I haven't been able to read. And so Frank Olson, he said that ever since they had given him that LSD at that retreat, he'd never been the same again. Never. Well, what happened the night when he was killed or committed suicide? Frank Olson was in a room with another scientist friend from the CIA, Lashbrook. Frank Olson washed his socks in the sink, watched TV for a while, laid down to sleep. At 2.25 a.m., he went out the window. Every Secret Service needs officers who specialize in cleaning up messes. And so in the CIA of the 1950s, those officers worked for the for what's called the Office of Security. This is the cover-up he directed in the hours and days after Frank Olson died that was the model of brisk efficiency by law enforcement. With the calm self assurance for which he was known for the CIA, Edwards, Edwards announced how the cover up would unfold. First, the New York police would be persuaded not to investigate and to cooperate in misleading the press. Second, a fake career, a legend, would be constructed for Lashbrook, who, as a sole witness, would be questioned by investigators and could under no circumstances be recognized as working for the CIA, much less MKUltra. Third, the Olson family would have to be informed, placated, and kept cooperative. While Alice at home in Maryland was being informed of her husband's death, Lashbrook, the scientist, and the man that was in the room with, with Frank Olson, the other scientist, was killed. Lashbrook was welcoming the CIA cavalry to room 1018A at, in, at, at Statler in New York City. It took the form of a single officer. In internal reports, he is called Agent James M.C. Later, he was identified as James McCord, who would go on to become a footnote to U.S. political history as one of the Watergate burglars. McCord had previously been on, on an FBI agent, specializing in counterintelligence, making police investigations evaporate was one of his specialties. So, the investigating police detectives concluded that Frank Olson had died from multiple fractures subsequent upon a jump or fall. That became the official narrative. Despite the successful cover-up, Frank Olson's death was a near disaster for the CIA it came close very close to threatening the very existence of mk ultra and since 1953 <clears throat> the wife of frank olson she says that we we have struggled to understand frank olson's death as an, an as an inexplicable suicide the true nature of his death has been concealed for many years Besides announcing plans to see the CIA, the Olson family also asked the New York Police Department to open a new investigation. The Manhattan district attorney, Robert Morgenthau, replied immediately, promising that his office would, would begin looking into certain aspects of the case, yeah, right. <laughs> While alarm bells went off at the White House after the Olson family announced its plan to sue the CIA, a lawsuit If allowed to proceed would give the family, as well as homicide detectives in New York, a tool they could use to force disclosure of deep secrets, President Ford's chief of staff, Donald Rumsfeld, and his deputy, Dick Cheney, recognized the danger. Cheney warned Rumsfeld in a memo that a lawsuit might force the CIA to disclose highly classified national security information. And so to head off this disaster he recommended that President Ford make a public expression of regret and express a willingness to meet personally with Mrs. Olson and her children. So White House lawyers offered the Olson family $750,000 in exchange for dropping its legal claims against the CIA. And after some hesitation, the family accepted. Congress passed a special bill approving the payment And that would have closed the case if Frank Olson had remained quiet in his grave. But at Frank Olson's funeral, Sidney Gottlieb had told grieving relatives that if they ever had questions about what happened, he would be happy to answer them. So, more than two decades later, and at the end of 1984, they decided to accept his offer and called to arrange an appointment. When Alice, Eric, and Nils Olson, the family, appeared at his door, His first reaction, Sidney Gottlieb's reaction was relief. Sidney Gottlieb said, quote, I'm so happy you don't have a weapon. I had a dream last night that you all arrived at this door and shot me. Why would he say that? Because his conscience is guilty. That's why. Eric, the son, was taken back. Later, he came to marvel at what he saw as Sidney Gottlieb's manipulative power. He said, before we even got through the door, We were apologizing to him and reassuring him. It was a brilliant and sophisticated way of turning the whole thing around. He began by telling the family what had happened at Deep Creek Creek Lake on 19th of November, 1953. That Olson and others were given LSD as part of an experiment to see what would happen if a scientist were taken prisoner and drugged. Would he divulge secret information and research? Then, when he began musing about Frank Olson, he says, Your father and I were very much alike, he told Eric. We both got into this because of patriotic feeling, but we both went a little too far, and we did things that we probably should not have done. This was as close to a confession as Sidney Gottlieb ever came. He would not say what aspects of MKUltra went a little too far, or what he and Frank Olson did, that they probably should not have done, nor would he entertain questions about inconsistencies in the story of Frank Olson's death. When Eric, the son, pressed him, he reacted sharply. As the family were were rising to leave, Sidney Gottlieb pulled Eric aside, his son. He said, You're obviously very troubled by your father's suicide, he said. Have you ever considered getting into therapy for people whose parents have committed suicide? Eric did not follow that suggestion. But it left a deep impression for him. For years, he'd been confused and depressed by the story of his father's death. Only after meeting Sidney Gottlieb, however, that he resolved to bring his search for truth to the center of his life. He said, Eric said, I didn't have confidence. I didn't have the confidence then in my skepticism to ignore his ploys. But when he made the therapy group suggestion, that was the moment when he overplayed his hand. At that moment, I understood how much Sidney Gottlieb had a stake in diffusing me. And it was also at that moment that the determination to show that he had played a role in murdering my father was born. He says, <clears throat> I would venture to say that this hematoma, this is the, the forensic pathologist, James Starr of, Wa- of Georgetown, Washington, that examined the body of Frank Olson. I would venture to say that this hematoma is singular evidence of the possibility that Dr. Olson was struck a stunning blow to the head by some person or instrument prior to his exiting through the window of of the room 1018A. Uh, Dr. James Starr, the pathologist, concluded. Later, he was more emphatic. He says, I think Frank Olson was intentionally, deliberately, with malice aforethought, thrown out of that window after being hit in the head. So, the death of Frank Olson on the 28th, Of November 1953. The family believes. It was a murder. Not a suicide. This is not an LSD drugs. Drug experiment story. As it was presented in 1975. This is a biological warfare story. Frank Olson did not die. Because he was an experimental guinea pig. Who experienced a bad trip with LSD? He died because of concerns that he would divulge information concerning a highly classified CIA interrogation program in the early 1950s concerning the use of biological weapons by the United States. Frank Olson knew how dirty the CIA was. He was an insider. He was probably getting heartburn from all the information he had on the CIA with their MKUltra and mind control and their experiments on people with LSD. He was a scientist who was profoundly distressed about what he was learning about the CIA and their techniques. Frank Olson was uncovering government agencies, especially the CIA, that secretly tested the effects of LSD on humans. As Sun Tzu says in his book, The Art of War, get the enemy to do your will without actually fighting. That's what the government's been trying to do to us. Through MK Ultra mind control. And it's been happening for decades. The whole COVID 19 was another example of widespread mass psychosis, widespread MK Ultra mind control. Anytime there is a K, MK Ultra mind control, anytime you see a K, there's a huff print. That's a symbol of Satan. Just like magic with a C, magic with a K magic with a K comes from Satan ultra means the ultimate form of mind control and mind control is dependent upon an altered state food and sleep deprivation drugging the person and this is what the government has been perfecting for decades we now call it psyops psychological operations influencing the emotions motives and behavior of governments groups organizations or enemies the propaganda drugs sleep deprivation well, Frank Olson, may you rest in peace. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The government's not the answer. Jesus is the answer. The government's not the solution. More often than not, it's not it's the problem. And Jesus is the answer. God bless you. Keep the faith. See you next time.